Welcome to the Worship Podcast of Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts for Sunday, November 15, 2020. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector of Grace Church. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us online or at God's outdoor altar at Grace. Today is St. Andrew's Day, our patronal feast. We will be keeping our traditions this year just a little farther apart. Don Kennedy will present at Grace Discussion Group on one of our early rectors, the Reverend George W. Shin, who retired in 1906, but who left us with a huge legacy we're still living into today. At our Outdoor Eucharist at 1 p.m., we will welcome a bagpiper and process six feet apart through Farlow Park. We'll bless our pledge cards, both physical and digital. We'll have shortbread cookies to go as we head home. So wear your plaid, and I hope to see you there. Sign up in advance. Just a reminder that COVID cases are rising everywhere, including in Massachusetts. Small gatherings with a few friends or family members in our homes feel safer than big gatherings, but it is these kinds of small gatherings inside that are fueling the spread of the virus right now. As it gets colder and Thanksgiving approaches, Please do not take unnecessary risks by inviting friends indoors or going into their homes. Please make smart and safe Thanksgiving plans. This is not a year to cross your fingers and hope for the best. That could very well bring on the worst for someone you love or for someone else's loved one. May God bless and keep us and help us to bless and keep others. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, holy Son of the Take away the sin of the world 
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, who gave such grace to your Apostle Andrew that he readily obeyed the call of your Son Jesus Christ and brought his brother with him, give us, who are called by your Holy Word, grace to follow him without delay and to bring those near to us into his gracious presence, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of Judges. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth Hagoim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. For he had nine hundred chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly twenty years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak son of Abinoam from Kedesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take position at Mount Tabor, bringing ten thousand from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulon. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kishon with his chariots and his troops and I will give him into your hand. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Teach us, O Lord, to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Lord, you have been our refuge, From one generation to another, before the mountains were brought forth, or the land and the earth were born. From age to age you are God. You turn us back to the dust and say, Go back, O child of earth, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You sweep us away like a dream. We fade away suddenly like the grass. In the morning it is green and flourishes. In the evening it is dried up and withered. For we consume away in your displeasure. We are afraid because of your wrathful indignation. Our iniquities you have set before you. 
and our secret sins in the light of your countenance. When you are angry, all our days are gone. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. Who regards the power of your wrath? Who rightly fears your indignation? So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Teach us, O Lord, to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Let it shine. My name is Yvonne Gomez Carrion. And I am delighted to share a few of my grace gratitude moments. My gratitude moments will highlight my spiritual community's assistance in enhancing my little light. When I think of this simple hymn, I am reminded of my childhood when my great worth was instilled in me daily. Growing up, my parents' mantra was how my life's journey would be challenging but achievable with faith and the love of God. In August 2001, when my family and I walked through the entrance of Grace Church's sanctuary, we felt the spirit of grace through this community's initial reception. Nineteen years later, this place of worship continues to be a welcoming and loving place that fosters our sense of belonging. Grace has been there to lift me up as Monroe, my ex-husband, and I modeled Christian living in all ways possible for our five children. Our family grieved and sought healing after the murder of John Monroe Chase, our middle son. My mom with Alzheimer's made her way through the end of her life's journey. I continue to strive to be the best healer for those who feel ignored, disenfranchised, and unworthy. I reach out to those with life-threatening illnesses. My family and I could not have done all of that or be able to look forward to getting into some good trouble without our Grace community. I am grateful for the genuine caring shown us through both prayers and innumerable acts of kindness. It is a hopeful and exciting time right now. Life can be tough, but as a community, I know that we can make a positive difference, as stated in our church's vision. As we move forward and deepen our commitment to justice and service. Let's all reflect on our Grace's Gratitude moments as we face our challenges as a community in 2021. I've committed to devote both my time and annual pledge to make sure that this amazing spiritual community is not only maintained but enhanced 
for our future generations. This little light of mine, I'm going to continue to let it shine with the help of my faith community's continued source of strength. Let all of our lights continue to shine brightly. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, It is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. 
To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them, and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents, for to all those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When Jesus talked about abundant life, he wasn't speaking generally or vaguely. He was talking about the kind of runaway growth of compounding, which has been called the eighth wonder of the world. Exponential growth refers to any kind of growth where the amount being added to the system is proportional to the amount already present, so that the bigger the system is, the greater the increase. It's just math, but it can be very difficult for the human mind to grasp. Exponential growth can be good, very good, if you have a nice chunk of money to invest, a solid rate of return and a long time to wait for your money to grow. But exponential growth can be bad, very bad, if you have something like the coronavirus and a nation not taking it seriously and a government sitting on its hands. 
good or bad, exponential growth is fast. It's powerful. But this kind of growth is not unstoppable, as our public health officials keep telling us. Wearing a mask, keeping our distance, and paying attention to ventilation can deprive the virus of the conditions it needs for transmission. If a seed isn't planted in soil, it can't do its amazing work of growing and replicating itself. If money isn't invested, it can't grow, and in fact its value will decrease due to inflation. Simple actions have great consequences. This, too, is part of Jesus' teaching. All we have to do as believers is take the next simple step towards God. This is often enough to set in motion this kind of exponential growth, this law of the universe that Jesus calls abundant life. This small act of initiative, this initial investment in the kingdom of God, it's enough to set big wheels in motion. We are celebrating St. Andrew's Day at Grace this morning because some important founding dates of our parish happened around that saint's feast. Andrew is known as the first called of the disciples. He signed up early to follow Jesus and brought his brother Simon Peter with him. I think of Andrew as the patron saint of initiative, of the early yes, patron saint of taking a risk to do something big. He's an early adopter. When everyone else was saying, Rabbi Jesus from Nazareth? Who the heck is that? Andrew was like, you're going to be hearing a lot about this guy. Without assessing risk, taking action, seeing what happens, and learning from it, nothing new comes into being. Nothing grows. And I think this is why this poor slave with the one talent in the parable gets such a harsh rebuke. I've mentioned before that I think the gospel writer of Matthew has tone problems. There's a lot of extraneous weeping and gnashing of teeth in Matthew. The master is really harsh to the third slave. He didn't lose the money, after all. He just deposited it in the first national hole-in-the-ground bank of Palestine. He didn't waste the talent. He just didn't grow it. But to Jesus, this is a really big problem. Abundant life is a principle of creation. The job of a seed is to grow into a plant that makes more seeds. The job of yeast is to leaven the dough. The job of money is to be invested to make more money which happens when people build things or buy things or start businesses. And the job of disciples is to make more disciples, as Jesus says in the Great Commission at the very end of Matthew's Gospel. There's no hole-in-the-ground, head-in-the-sand option for Christians. We are to be part of God's great project of abundant life. That's what it is to be alive, to take one step and then another and then another, towards extending this life, this light. Yvonne gomez Carrion just sang a verse of This Little Light of Mine to us, reminding us that one single light in the darkness functions very much like a seed. One point of light, one lamp, one candle, one flashlight function on your phone can light up the night. It can do far more to change the whole landscape than you would ever expect. We heard a lot this election season about every single vote counting. And when the results of the election came in and several states were decided by less than one full percentage point, that turned out to be true. 
So Jesus is saying, burying your one talent, playing it so safe that there's no risk, withholding what you've been given from the world. What looks like preservation is actually waste. What looks like continuing on rolling along is actually death. The third slave is motivated by fear, fear of his master, and fear of loss. Even in the scariest of situations, Jesus always reminds his disciples that they should be motivated by love, not fear. Perfect love casts out fear, he says. What a year it's been in the life of Grace Church. One year ago on St. Andrew's Day, we were wrapping up our Jeremiah Project groups and moving on to the next stages of the process that would lead to the adoption of our new mission, vision, and value statement. Exactly one month after we adopted that statement, those values would be seriously tested by COVID-19, and of course, the Boston area was among the hardest-hit areas in the pandemic early on. Now, we didn't expect COVID-19, but we went into our mission strategy work knowing that we would have to make decisions about our bell tower this year. So we did anticipate one big communal challenge. We just didn't foresee that a huge global challenge would be added into the mix. But because of the tower, we were already thinking about risk. We knew that there was no burying the talent this year and hoping for the best. The question was how to address this huge structural issue in a way that mobilized our assets but did not spend them down too much so that we cannot just survive, but grow and thrive on the other side of this. This was a year when Grace Church really decided to invest in itself and in its future in a big and bold way. We are still in this process, still very much on the journey, but we should pause where we are and feel proud about the investment that we made in our future this year. We really came together as a whole community to dream big, and to work on a supersized problem. And then another even more supersized problem was thrown into the mix, leading us on the vestry to start calling this Tower Pandemic 2020. Nevertheless, we persisted. We kept going, continuing to work on the Belt Cap Tower project and finding new ways to be church when all our regular patterns of being together were abruptly upended. Even though we're still in the middle of it all, we've been paying attention and we've been learning. So here are some of the things that I think we've learned in the past year. First, it was worth it to take all that time to articulate our values, our vision, and our mission in community. All year, people have kept mentioning the Jeremiah groups. That process changed us. It helped us know each other more deeply. It made space for us to go deep with each other and really envision our future and what we wanted it to look like. You'll notice that I often say our newly articulated mission, vision, and values statement. This is because I don't think much about what we named and described and wordsmithed is truly new to grace. These values of welcoming, love, belonging, inquiry, wonder, celebration, and service These have been important since the days of the Reverend George Shin in the 19th century, if not earlier. 
What's new is the time and care we took to name them, list them, and prioritize them. Which leads to the second thing we learned, that we picked some really good values to lean into during a global pandemic. Grace really is a source of spiritual restoration and strength, even when our building is closed. We really are conduits of divine love to one another. We really have been companioning the vulnerable even now, building on established partnerships and forming some new ones. It took a long time for us in our various groups to settle on the words to heal division and confront and dismantle inequality. That was a hard phrase to come up with. We knew we wanted to say something about our commitment to social justice, but we wanted it to be specific and to not imply that somehow we could single-handedly save the world. These words that we affirmed in January were there for us in June when we realized that we had not been doing enough of the work of anti-racism in our parish and in the world. Third, we learned that we can adapt and change much more quickly than we thought. And we learned that in the midst of all this adaptation and change, we can hold on to what is most important to us and keep going. Fourth, we learned that we really deeply love our historic home. We want to stay here and we're willing to dig in and do what it takes to sort out the tower so that's possible. The corner of Church Street and Eldridge Street is home base for us, and it's worth the investment, which at the end of the day is not about stonework as much as it is about all of us as living stones in a holy temple. Fifth, we've learned that our neighbors also value Grace Church, its architecture, its history, and connection to Newton Corner, and that they nearly unanimously have a lot of goodwill for us and for our project. That was data that we didn't have until this fall. Six, we've learned that we can work together in a positive way over a long timeline while facing big challenges. The teamwork required for our projects over the last year has been incredible. Longtime members have told me that teamwork has not always been a strong suit at Grace, we have a lot of independent thinkers here, and bringing them together has been tricky in the past. But we have steadily built up our capacity to work together with great effectiveness. The Grace Vestry and other leaders designed a process where many hands make light work, or as light work as is possible when you are dealing with a damaged 107-foot-tall stone tower on a tight timeline. We should be proud of the spirit of collaboration, listening, and mutual support that our leaders have demonstrated this year. Seventh, we learned that everyone's gift matters. Every gift of time, talent, and treasure that has been offered this year has been put to use. Whether that is making your annual pledge, or pitching in with the election day bake sale, or packing grocery bags in the yard for be safe so vulnerable families can have some extra support, or learning to run Zoom meetings. We have put people's professional gifts to use this year more than in perhaps any other. Our vestry members who are using their gifts of development and fundraising, their gifts of strategic planning, of effective public speaking and presentations, facilities management, 
archival research, even biosafety and emergency preparedness. We have learned that we need everybody's gifts, and more importantly, that God needs them. This has been an all-hands-on-deck and no-talents-buried kind of year. Finally, we've learned that having more clearly articulated who we are, what we value, and who we want to be, we do want to live out our mission in a more focused and intentional way than we have in the recent past. Even with all this tower stuff, even with all this pandemic stuff, there's been impatience to do more on our mission, vision, and values. Members from across the parish have been saying, how are we going to keep making progress on this? How are we going to make sure it's not just a piece of paper? And I think this impatience is great because it means we are serious. Now, more focus and more intentionality around mission at Grace is going to mean that some things change. The values remain but the processes, the structures, the status quo is going to change. For some, these changes will feel long overdue. For others, they will feel challenging and disorienting. At some point, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, we will also have the disruption of a building project. Maybe COVID has been good practice for that. We'll see. While we are impatient to get going on realizing our dreams for grace, We very much need to be patient and loving with each other in this process as we head into a second year of challenges and changes. I was hoping that Tower Pandemic 2020 would be mostly confined to 2020, but both our Tower Project and the pandemic will be very present with us in 2021. This year at Grace Church, we did not bury our talents. We followed the example of our patron saint who took initiative to follow Jesus, even though he did not know exactly where Jesus would lead him. We are going to keep following, keep taking the next step, then the next. We are going to keep discerning and learning and experimenting and seeing what happens. We are going to keep growing and becoming who God wants us to be. And we're going to do that together sharing our gifts, and walking in love. In God's name, amen. Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us lift up our prayers to the Lord. I ask your prayers for the Church around the world, for the Anglican Communion and the Episcopal Church, 
and all its laity, clergy, and bishops. I ask your prayers for this community of Grace Church, that in these challenging times we would live out our values of welcoming, love, belonging, inquiry, wonder, celebration, and service. I ask your prayers for a clear path forward as we work with many partners to remedy the safety issues of Grace's Bell Tower. May God grant us the wisdom to choose a path that honors our history, safeguards our future, and draws us into deeper faithfulness and mission now. We pray with wholehearted trust that God will guide us in each step and meet us in our need. We pray for Grace's vestry, rector, and parish leadership, and give thanks for their labor on behalf of our church home. I ask your prayers for our nation, for all those suffering from the coronavirus, for all those who are elderly, have pre-existing conditions, and who lack access to quality medical care, for those who have lost their livelihood due to the pandemic. I ask your prayers for the world, for all people, and for all creation. May our Creator lead us and all people into ways of justice and peace and awaken in us a desire to live sustainably on this earth. I ask your thanksgivings for all the blessings of this life. For those celebrating birthdays this week, Carol, Amanda, Linda, Stephen, Chrissy, Kate, and Jonah. In our parish cycle of Thanksgiving, we give thanks for the 90 households who made a financial commitment to Grace in 2020, and for all those who have pledged their support for 2021. We give thanks for those who came before us, for the gifts they shared, and the sacrifices they made across many generations. May we, too, through our offerings of thanks and praise, service and outreach, honor Christ in our own day. I ask your prayers for those in need, remembering those on our prayer list and those we name aloud now. May God heal and restore all who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, and make us willing agents of your compassion. I ask your prayers for those who have died, especially Ruth Ruprecht, Ego Berg, Alex Trebek, and Rabbi Jonathan Sachs and for all those we name now. May God comfort those who mourn and bring them peace in their time of loss. Holy God, you have called us to be a source of spiritual restoration and strength. Make us conduits of divine love, following the example of Jesus. Help us to companion the vulnerable, heal division, 
and confront and dismantle inequality. Give us your grace, now and always. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Thank you to everyone who contributed to our worship podcast for today. We thank the Grace Church Choir, featuring section leaders Kristen Buaben, Diane Drost, Stephen M., and John Yanis, joined today by Linda Hosfeld. We also thank our music director and organist, Chris Hosfeld. Thank you to our lector, Myra Ferrey, our gratitude reflector, Yvonne Gomez-Carrion, and our lay reader, Dory Gehring. You can find out more about Grace Church on our website, gracenewton.org. We hope you join us again next week.